Hi there guys and welcome to today's podcast. We're going to be talking all about the degeneration in the spine, specifically the lumbar spine for the purposes of today's discussion and what you can do about it. I've got a couple of notes down here so I can cover all of those points for you guys and hopefully you're going to find it really, really helpful. So with that out of the way, let's kick things off. And remember, if you are watching us on YouTube on the podcast, then please feel free. If you've got any questions, post them in the comments below. We do read and answer all of your questions uh, to really give you guys as much value as possible out of these podcasts. So let's get straight into it. Really, I wanted to start this off with the uh, age-old adage, if you will, of don't worry, it's just normal age-related wear and tear. It's nothing to worry about. That so many of you will probably have heard. And this is one of those things that really, really used to bother me when I'd see patients in clinic because they'd, they'd come into the into the clinic and say, look, I've got this history, that history of lower back pain, whatever it may be, sciatica, etc. And then they've gone and had a scan uh, x-ray, um, an MRI of the lumbar spine, and then they say, oh, it's just age-related wear and tear, don't worry. But when you look at the actual section of the spine, and for those of you that are watching this on either Spotify or um, on YouTube, you can see the spine here. When you look and you see loads of degeneration down at the L5-S1 joint, and then right above there, L4-5 or L3-4 or any of the other joints in the spine, the hips for that matter, they have next to no degeneration. They could be an 18-year-old spine for, for argument's sake you really start to see how that statement is just so incredibly unhelpful. It's unwise, it's uninsightful, and just shows really a lack of interest in actually helping this person. When you have degenerative change at one specific segment in your spine, it cannot be age-related wear and tear. Sure, if you've lived on this planet for a little bit longer than someone else, then it's more likely you're going to have degenerative change in certain areas of the body more than others. But to have one hip versus the other, to have one section of the spine degenerative, is a sign that you've been using your body or abusing your body in a specific way for an extended period of time. And we see that borne out in the fact that so many have L4 and L5S1 injuries or degenerative change because we spend so much time sitting every day. One final example before we kind of move on is really going to be, I always remember so vividly, relatively closely to one another, I saw two patients come into the clinic where we do x-rays um, and the one patient was I think in her early 20s, the other guy was in his late 50s, early 60s. They both, if you'd put both of their x-rays next to one another in terms of the quality of the spine that you would be looking at, you would say they are more or less the same. But both had x-ray reports saying normal age-related wear and tear. And this was years ago. And it just really stood out. How on earth can a 20-year-old and a 50, 60-year-old have normal age-related wear and tear when their spines look fundamentally exactly the same. It doesn't add up, it's a stupid throwaway comment, and it's something, unfortunately, because the process or the diagnosis of degenerative change, hey, you know, John, you've got degenerative change in your spine. It's something that patients don't really understand very well. It really puts a label on them that makes them feel, well, it's arthritis, what are you, you're gonna have it for the rest of your life? And that just simply isn't helpful. So with that, moving on to actually what degeneration actually is, it is a scale, it's not a binary. You're not pregnant or not pregnant. You, it's not like you have degeneration or you don't. You have a scale of degeneration. You might have very minor changes. Maybe the disc height has dropped marginally, and, and this is gonna be a little more, more focused around the lumbar spine for obvious reasons, guys. We're not gonna talk about other joints. Um, really, but you might have a little bit of mind change, or you might be somewhere between there and all the way over to the other end of the spectrum, where, again, those of you that are, that are watching, these two bones, the L5 vertebra, has literally, the disc has completely gone underneath there, and it's in contact with the sacrum, or the, the face of the S1 vertebra. 
it could be that that is the case. And those two are worlds apart. They're timelines apart as well. It takes so much longer to get to that point. And of course, previous injury is going to have a role. If you have specifically injured a segment and you haven't done the rehab, which we'll get to a little bit later in this podcast, um, then you're more likely to have degenerative change there. And, and that's something that, that bothers me as well. But in understanding that when you, and many of you listening to this podcast will have had at some point, if you've had any images, been told there's a bit of degeneration there understand that it is a scale. If you ever see a physician um, or an osteopath or a chiropractor or a physio and they say, or your GP and they say you've got degeneration, say, look, how much? Could you grade it? Could you say, you know, from here to here, compare, is it fusion or is it more or less okay? You know, what is that? And, and, and even, although we don't normally recommend this, sometimes doing a bit of Googling and actually looking at severe degeneration versus minor degenerative change in the spine, you can actually see the difference very clearly. Now, albeit, I'm used to looking at those sorts of things and, and you might not be, but even for the layman, it is actually very clear to see the difference between those two once they're pointed out. And, and whenever you do get any scans done, having someone go through them with you can be tremendously helpful to really understand your own body because it is, after all, your body. And the better you understand it, the better you are going to do, you know, bar no exceptions. It's always better to have a patient that fully understands as best as possible their body. And it's not necessarily as complicated as you might think. So with that out of the way, moving on to the injury itself, because this really hits the point home. So many times you'd see patients in the clinic or we'd have members in the program that would come and say, look, I've had back pain for the last three months, six months, you know, and I haven't had anything really before that, and it's really before that, rather than I have not had any back pain at any point in my life prior to this, which is highly unlikely for all of us because we've all had aches and pains at some point, discomfort, um, which is often how these things start out. But then you go and do some element of imaging and you see there's a lot of degeneration down there. And, and the person says, well, you know, I've been told before that that was the cause of my pain. But that injury, that degeneration, that arthritis of the spine has most likely or will have, depending on the quality of it and the, the degree to which it's degenerated, it will have been there for many, many months, if not years, before you had that back injury. And that is something that is very important with understanding. We've seen people all the time saying that, you know, oh, well, you know, I've got, I know I've got some degeneration in my spine, so it's never really going to go away. And it's a case of, what well, that's really false thinking because so many people will have degeneration and not even know about it, and they're living perfectly healthy, pain-free. So it's very, very important to understand that. And we'll get on to later on towards the back end of today's episode, a little bit more about how you, if you've got degeneration in your spine, should really view things so you can really get the results that you're looking for. So when we think about degenerative change, often we see that image of an X-ray. I'll just use a knee, for example, just for the moment. You see the knee, it's all messy, etc. Or in the case of the lumbar spine, you see the vertebral bodies that I've just pointed out on the, um, on the spine here and you see instead of having nice clear boundaries where the vertebral body ends and where the um where the, the disc starts it becomes a bit blurry it's cloudy it's messy it's quite quite the best way to describe some a spine with degenerative changes it looks messy it doesn't look clear and neat as if a toddler's gone over the edges with crayons they've just made it all rather rough and messy and when we have that degeneration there we see the hard tissues we see the bone we see the change that's happened there and we say, oh yeah, that's it. There's a bony spur that's going to poke into the, to the nerve. And if we just address that for a moment, yes, if we do have some bony spurs, there is a chance that if you move your spine in just the right motion, then you might catch that, that bony spur on a nerve and press it up against another bone and give yourself some rather unpleasant pain. But that is highly improbable. A lot of the times those bony spurs are formed along the attachment sites of ligaments and they're kind of out the way. They're not really likely to grow into the 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 nerves themselves because they are 
just different. They're out the way. So it is going to be a very small number of cases where if you move in a specific way, you could catch that nerve. But when we think about degeneration, we don't think about the soft tissues quite so often. We don't think about the severe degenerative change that's happening in those soft tissues, the repeat injuries to those soft tissues that have resulted in scar tissue developing. And if we take the integrity of those soft tissues and think about them as your trousers or a piece of clothing, you've got that clothing like what I'm wearing here, and we've got continuous fabric, continuous ligament or a continuous muscle or a continuous tendon. That's all the same tissue. It's got the same elasticity to it. It's got no tension points in it as it moves, as it lengthens and shortens and gets stress and strain put through that particular garment that we are wearing. But if we rip it and damage it, we put a patch over the top and all of you will be able to see that when you move with that patch attached onto that piece of fabric, you will see tension points building up, points of further wear building up around that patch, around that point where it is adhered to the healthy tissue or the healthy fabric, where it changes from being nice springy fabric into the fabric of the patch, the scab tissue. And if we move over to the surface of our skin, we can see this in action when you've cut your arm at some point, your elbow, we've all done it at some point, we've fallen over at some point, even if it was a long while ago. We've seen that cut and we've seen the scab tissue forming. And we've seen that every now and then, if you move in a certain way, you can just pull the edge of that scab away, that attachment site where the patch is being plugged in. It's weak, it's vulnerable, and you can pull away and then it starts flaring up again. Well, too many of us, when we've had these injuries in our lower back, those soft tissues are the things that have been strained. They're the things that have been injured. Be it the disc fibers, be it the ligaments around the disc, be it some of the other soft tissues and capsular structures in and around the facet joints, they are the things that have been injured. And they've constantly had patches put in place. Now, the great thing about the human body, unlike that garment of clothing that we were talking about earlier, is that it will steadily break down that scab, break down that patch, and replace it with healthy tissue if you give it the time, if you give it the correct stimulation to do so, it will undergo that remodeling process. The thing is that unlike that surface of your skin, you can't see this happening. And unlike the surface of your skin, which turns over very, very quickly, those tissues inside your back are very, very slow to change. And this kind of moves perfectly on to the actual healing process itself. A lot of us have a lot with, with degeneration at those degenerative segments have unhealthy degenerate soft tissue that we don't see that is still there that is struggling to go through a healing process that is vulnerable and that's why your rehabilitation and your exercises and your strengthening work is so very important it is that strengthening rehab work especially if you're doing strengthening work with load bearing at the right time of course that starts to give the stimulation necessary for those soft tissues to start to heal up the patches to start to be dissolved and replaced with healthy tissue so that segment can be protected. The fact of the matter is with dysfunctional scar tissue around those segments of the spine that are degenerative, it's not going to be doing its job of protecting that segment from further injury. And that is why when you're doing your rehabilitation, you're doing your core work to stabilize and provide extra support from the outside to try and stabilize it whilst you are going through that healing process. And all too often people go through the healing process they get halfway, they start feeling better. There's not really that much inflammation and you think about the cut on the surface of your skin, it's puffy the first couple of days, but then it's just a scab, it's out the way, you forget about it. So you carry on doing all those things and you keep re-injuring it. You maybe stop doing the exercises and you're lucky for a little while. And then all of a sudden you flare it up and it goes back to square one. You must be consistent with your exercises. Doing strengthening based exercises, going for a walk or doing the garden is not this strengthening resistance-based exercises slowly over the course of your life, 
not six months, not a year, not even a couple of years, over the course of your life is what will keep your body working and responding to be strong, healthy, and fit and get past some of these degenerative processes so you can shore up that area and have it protected for the long term. But if you stop doing those exercises, you stop giving it the necessary stimulation, you stop allowing the segment as a whole, sure there's bony degeneration there, but there's soft tissues around there, you stop giving them the stimulation necessary to go through that healing process, and that is where we get into this cycle that's all too familiar. I've had a couple of treatments, I felt good for a little while, and then it came back. That treatment didn't work. I did some exercises, and then I felt good, and then I stopped doing it, and then it came back. That program didn't work. It's time and time again, and the answer, unfortunately, if you've had a couple of those, the answer starts to become, no, 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 you stop doing the work. No different to if you stop brushing your teeth. No different if you stop doing many other daily tasks that you will do. If you stopped eating for a couple of weeks, you'd start to know about it much, much sooner than that, might I add. So think about your exercises as part of you creating this body to be strong, healthy, fit, and resilient so that you can then use it to partake in all the things that you love doing. Whether it is gardening or going to play golf or going to hang out with your family and your friends, whatever it is, if you do the work, and it's not really that much work, we've discussed it in previous videos on the YouTube channel, etc. But realistically, we're talking about once you get to a certain level, maybe it's only four times a week, but it's literally maybe four hours of worth of work in every 168. We can all find the time to do that. And as long as we've got the right program to follow along, we'll do a really, really good job. So to round this podcast up, I wanted to really cover with what you can do specifically if you have degeneration. And it's broken down into two specific parts. The first part is recognize, especially when it comes to the spine, unlike other joints, it's a little bit different in here, that the degenerative process, nine times out of 10, if not always, will result in the size of the gap where these little nerves come out of, okay? Just in here for sake of purposes, you can see the gap which is formed by the two vertebrae joining with the disc spacing out and where the little nerves can come out, whether it's L4-5, L5-S1, et cetera, et cetera. Those gaps invariably get smaller. Maybe there's some bony spurs as we've mentioned earlier on and that the hole itself is smaller than maybe other sections of your same spine. So knowing that the hole is smaller and knowing that most people, their symptoms come on quite severely because of inflammation filling that hole, and that's what irritates the nerve, irritates the back, etc. It gives a feeling of aching pressure building up in the lower back. It's the presence of inflammation. If you have a relatively minor injury in a healthy, nice, large hole section of your lumbar spine, let's say it's L2, L2-3 joint, then you might not notice it. Oh, tweaked it a little bit. Next day, what happened? I'm fine. But if you have that same tweak, minor tweak, at L5-S1 where you've got some significant degenerative change, that same little bit of inflammation that builds up in that area will more or less fill that hole. And all of a sudden, that's, that next morning, if you're, that, if you're lucky and it comes on that late, you can't get out of bed. That sciatica has come back. It's gone straight into the gluten down the leg. It's not that the injury necessarily is more severe, but when you have smaller holes, when you have less space, we have a greater propensity to feel more pain disproportionate to the severity of the injury. Even if you had exactly the same objective injury in a different section of your spine, going back to how we opened this podcast, saying that some sections of your spine might be degenerative and others are not, and what on earth is on about that age-related wear and tear? It doesn't make sense. So that's the first thing to recognize, that some of those segments are going to be more vulnerable from a point of view of inflammation building up, and that's got nothing to do with the injury itself. The second thing is to the degree you have degenerative change or change in your spinal anatomy from the normal, 
especially if it's generative change or fusion or surgery or any of those sorts of things. You must be stronger, more resilient than the average. You must have better core control of your spine. It doesn't matter what age you are. You must have good hip flexibility, but not just flexibility. You need to have strength because it's all well and good. Many people have good hip flexibility. We see them. But actually, when they get asked to use that hip flexibility, for example, for a squat, everything falls apart. So they don't have good control over flexibility, which is why strength comes first. You need to have those in levels greater than your average. And to be completely honest, nowadays we are not healthy and the average is woefully inadequate as is. We need to be stronger. We need to be more competent at the way in which we control and use our bodies. And that is true at any age. We've got people in the program that are in phase four of the Back and Shape program. And for those of you that don't know about this, there's probably some links in the show notes. But we've got people in their mid 80s, late 80s, and even clinically people doing those exercises in their 90s in the past in what would be phase four, so the back end of the program, doing resistance-based exercises with load, using bands, weights, etc., And they are thriving. They're really doing the work and they're getting back doing the things they want to do in their 80s and one or two in their 90s. Quite equally, we have people in their 30s and 40s and maybe even a bit younger saying, oh, no, no, I can't do any more strengthening work. That's enough for me. And unfortunately, that false belief that maybe you're past a certain age, etc., or maybe you're too young, Whatever the case may be, you need to do strengthening exercises because that is what builds the integrity and strength of your spine. Unless, of course, and I say this rather tongue-in-cheek, your plan is to go up and live in the International Space Station where there is no gravity and your body will not be put under that sort of strain. And if you do, please send us a picture. But all jokes aside, please, building your strength in your body slowly, carefully, but over a period of time, incrementally, is the best way, whether it's degenerative change, whether it's a disc herniation, or whether it's just a minor strain in your back. Strength is never going to be a weakness. And weakness, remaining weak, not able to move simple amounts of load with your own body is never going to be a strength. I hope that podcast episode has been helpful. I hope that last bit has got you maybe thinking about some of your preconceptions about how maybe we can think about our own degeneration and what is possible because at the end of the day, People with degeneration in their spine have no reason whatsoever not to be fit, healthy, and strong. You can always find more information about our podcast and the topics that we're doing on Spotify and on the YouTube channel. If you did find this particularly helpful and you know someone else is struggling, then consider sharing this podcast with them. We will have timestamps, I suspect, on the YouTube version so they can skip to the areas that are particularly relevant to them. And we look forward to seeing you in the next podcast.